1: Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katzimatidis.
0: This is John Katzimatidis. Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, uh, everybody tunes in to listen to what the heck is going on in our city, our, our state, our country. And uh, we have some great uh, people in the studio today. We have uh, Judge uh, Richard Weinberg. We have uh, former Congressman Peter King, former Governor uh, David Patterson. And, uh, there used to be, uh... Deputy Mayor under Rudy Giuliani. We have uh, George Washington. George, 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 George Washington, Washington, Washington. Rudy Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on my side, we have Lydia Serrani. And we have one great show for you today.
2: And uh, who do we have, uh, Lydia? Right on the line with us now is the New York City Schools Chancellor, David C. Banks. And he's also the former president and CEO of the Eagle Academy Foundation and the founding principal of the Eagle Academy for Young Men, the first school in the network of innovative all-boys public schools New York City, and Newark, New Jersey. He's also a lifelong New Yorker. I could go on and on. Very successful and, in the education now system. now
0: running uh, our education in, uh, in New, New York, York City. City. And I don't even know what to call it anymore. I used to call it the Board of Education. Well, Chancellor, uh, we hope you can do for for our uh, public, schools. Uh, public schools what what you did for those uh, charter schools. That's right.
3: Well, well, well. First of all, let me just say a uh, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everybody there and, and your listening audience. Thank you so much, uh, John. I, I appreciate you having having me on. Uh, I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and 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 those who are in the studio with you are Rudy Washington and, uh, and our former governor, uh, who is uh, uh, I've also been a huge fan of and have known him for many many years. Um, I thank you all for letting me be here. Listen, let me just say this, Um, I'm going to and what I'm engaged in is trying to help to transform the New York City public school system uh, to be a system of true excellence and it's it's a heavy lift, there's a lot of work to do, but we have a lot of great people. I want to make sure we're providing a real quality education for all young people that attend our schools. And, uh, and I'm going to do a lot of things that I did at Eagle Academy, but I do want to make one correction. The Eagle Academies, John, were not charter schools. They were traditional public schools. Um, wow. And, I didn't know but that. they were very innovative public schools in the work that we were doing to help uh, black and brown boys to reach a level of excellence. So uh, got my work cut out for me, but uh, but we're up for it.
0: Well, um, uh, you know, uh, we should have a special uh, program and give you a 10 year term. <laughs> John John, Rudy the, Washington for the purposes of our listeners because I don't
1: know if uh, our listeners know the gravity or the size of, of the
0: Department of Education if you could just uh, David and John could you- and by the way I'm want to ask David that uh, uh, and uh, last week we had Secretary uh uh, on, and I sent him a copy of our communications, uh, our radio show with the secretary about education system in the whole country and asked him to give us an update how the education system in our city compares to the country and what we need to do. Is that yeah, the right question? Yeah. Well, and, and Chancellor, if, if you could tell our listeners, because we have listeners as
1: far as Europe and up and down the East Coast and, fur- and further out. Uh, the size of our educational system here in New York City?
3: Well, first of all, I'll tell you, we've got, there are over a million students in New York City. Um, Over 900,000 that attend traditional public schools, another uh, 141,000 that attend uh, charter schools. Um, We've got uh, 1,900 students Schools in New York City, 1,900 wow. schools. Uh, I mean, it's, it is the largest system in the country by far. There's not even a close second. Literally 145,000 employees. Um, we've got a annual $38 billion budget. We serve over 900,000 meals a day, 170 million meals a year. Only the military comes close to to the to the level the scale of what happens uh, in our in our schools and you should just know also uh, because these numbers are a little different some people get surprised when I mention this the ethnic breakdown of our New York City schools now 41% Hispanic students 24% Black 17% Asian and 15% White wow yep, wow I get that I get that response from everybody. Um, this is a very different New York City school system than it was 20 years ago.
2: Wow. And and tell us, what is the, the key to success? Because you were just so incredibly successful with the Eagle Academy. And how do you plan on doing what you did there and putting it into the public school system?
3: The, the theme that I'm working from here is, is is quite simple. It's called Bright Starts and Bold Futures. Bright Starts and Bold Futures. We are making very significant investments at the earliest ages to make sure that all of our young people can read no later than the third grade. All the research tells us that if kids can't read by the third grade, you are fighting an uphill battle after that and you have to spend so much more money and resources trying to fix something that if you get it right at the very beginning. Over the last 25 to 30 years, we changed our approach to how we even teach kids to read and it has not worked. And, and I am returning the New York City school system back to a time and an approach that probably all of you who are, who are in the studio uh, were part of. We learned to read through a phonetic approach to reading. We taught phonics in our schools. And along the, over the years, we, we went to something called whole language. It was a much, what was called a more progressive approach. And, and the research uh, the results are in. It has not worked for far too many kids. So we're going back to the old school, back to basics, and that's what I call bright starts. We have to ensure that everyone has a solid reading foundation at the beginning. But then at the end of that, what is the purpose of going to school? We want all of our kids to be on a pathway to, to careers uh, and economic prosperity. We don't want them to go to school just for the sake of going to school, they have to have a purpose. And uh, for far too many kids, we graduate, uh, John. Who who graduate? And we give them a diploma, but they don't have the skills to to take their place in business. They don't know how money is made in America. They're not civically engaged. They don't know how the system of government works. So we're we're producing young people who just don't know nearly enough. And uh, and we can change that. And I intend to change that. And we are already putting. Pieces in place. I'm coming up on the end of my first year here, uh, and over the next several years, we we expect to bring about dramatic change in our schools. So well, Chancellor- teaching people
0: how how to work when they leave high school, at least, because uh, when I ran for mayor in 2013, and I had David Patterson, Governor Patterson, by my side, and Rudy Washington by my side, and Congressman King, but I lost. And uh, what I was, t- I went to Brooklyn Tech High School, which was a great high school. Yep. And I thought that we should teach kids, like uh, an aviation high school or a mechanics high school, to teach kids how to work with Trades. their w- work with their hands. Mm-hmm. If if they don't really qualify to go to college, because right. you can't not everybody could could take up calculus. I hated calculus when <laughs> I went to college. By the way, uh, John. <laughs> John just blew my Governor. cover.
4: I was chair of the state Democratic Party while I was helping John in 2013. But that's OK. Friendship always trumps political association. So, so Mr. Chancellor, uh, uh, welcome to the show. Of course, you and I go way back. I remember when you were the press secretary for the attorney general of New York, Dennis Vacco. And uh, But over your uh, years, uh, I was asked to approach uh, the chancellor for full disclosure about a month ago by a group of parents because there's a tremendous problem right now. They don't have enough (laughs) bus drivers. And there's a child in my family that rides the bus there. And the thing about you, chancellor, is you you really – your creativity goes beyond the boundaries. They are trying to work with CUNY, the City University of New York, to get some of the students – to learn how to drive the buses, which would be a job for them—a well-paying job—and at the same time, they would get college credit. <laughs> what a
2: brilliant idea! My it, goodness. How about
4: that? Do you wow. want to comment on that, Mr. Chancellor, or do you just? Yes,
3: want to- yes, yes. And I remember we, we spoke about that recently. You know, it's funny going back years ago. Actually, I worked at the Attorney General's office. It wasn't with Baco, It was with Oliver Capel. Oh, and you're, you're absolutely Abrams. right. You remember Bob Abrams years ago, as well. But um, but I think when we, we when you and I met. It exemplified what we are trying to do here which is to come up with real practical examples of how we can create a good school experience for kids that will ultimately put them on a path to all kinds of jobs. Uh, We should be growing our own workforce Uh, and we graduate 80,000 students every year from the New York City Public Schools uh, but, but there's not been enough Intentionality, if you will, around getting those students placed into the healthcare field, into the transportation field, into the tech field. You know, we talk about career technical education and career connected learning. This is not your. This is not your granddad's CTE. We're not talking about woodshop. We're, we're talking about kids having opportunities to be engaged in some real high tech stuff that gives them where well, they've got to get real credentials, and when they come out. They can get real jobs, uh, whether they decide to go to college or not. Uh, and they can get off of mommy and daddy's payroll. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're working really hard to put a number of these things in place. Uh, Mike Bloomberg has joined this fight with us. Jamie Dimon has joined in with us. Uh, Northwell Health. Uh, The largest health provider in the state has signed on to work with us as well to provide all kinds of apprenticeship opportunities where kids not only get exposure, but they're getting paid even while they're in high school. We want to create their aha moment. I want kids in the ninth and 10th grade to say, I've got a level of exposure and I've been able to figure some things out. And now I know why it's important that I work really hard in my math class and my science class and my English class, because there's a... There's a goal, there's a, there's a purpose. Let me just say this finally. When you put kids on a sports field, those kids will practice football all day long. They'll do the wind sprints, they'll put in the time, effort and the energy because they're very clear about what the goal is. They're trying to win the trophy. They wanna win the championship. And when the goal is clear, kids will work really hard. Unfortunately in education, the goal is not clear. We just send them to school and, and, and say, you know maybe at some point it'll all work out for you. Uh, We have to be much more intentional, and we have to make sure that kids understand the purpose of going to school. And I think when they understand the purpose, they will run as hard as anybody, and that's the kind of system that I'm trying to set up.
2: Chancellor Banks, Horace Mann famously said that education is the greatest equalizer. And we all know that it is important, of course, to learn how to read, write and arithmetic and all that good stuff. But I think kids also need those after school programs. not everybody's going to be a basketball star, but studies have shown that kids that are engaged in sports, they're engaged in after school activities, the music and the arts, they tend to do better doing their schoolwork as well. So is, is that also part of the plan to try to get the uh, school system revamped?
3: Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you said that. I, I told the arts community I'm going to be the arts champion as chancellor. Um, so whether it's basketball or football or music or graphic design or chess or, you know, moot court, mock trial. That's right. I kids need mind. to be engaged in things. The activity itself is not nearly as important as the creating a level of camaraderie, having a sense of purpose learning the skills and the discipline. See, when you play when you play a sport, it's actually less about the sport. It's about the skills that you're developing and the fact that you can't waste your time. You have to be purposeful. You have to be focused. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to practice. These are all the things that anyone, anyone who becomes successful at anything in life practices those same skills. There's a discipline, mm-hmm. and that's what we've got to help our kids to get And understand how to have that discipline that will ultimately lead to success and I will tell you our kids are absolutely brilliant the problem has never been the kids it's always been about our preparation of our kids and we've not done a good enough job but we've got really brilliant teachers who are fully committed who love these kids and are ready to go they just need more tools and that's my job is to help give them the tools so that they can help the kids be more successful. Chancellor, Chancellor
0: David Banks, uh, thank you for coming on. And we have so much more to talk about, so we'd like to have you back in the near future. Uh, and um, New York City is lucky to have you.
3: Thank you, John. You just made my day. I really appreciate you saying that, and I look forward to coming back anytime you invite me.
0: Thank you, and thank you for what you're doing for our kids, and And uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, and, and you know, we run, uh, I, I help run the Police Athletic League, and we're having the, the uh, I think you've been to it, and your brother's been to it, our, our pal uh, uh, Christmas holiday party uh, this Saturday at 10 o'clock, so if you're around, you know where it is.
3: All right, I look forward to it, and thank Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you and uh, everyone on your team there, our governor, uh as well as uh as well as your listeners. Thank you so Thank very you. much.
2: Thank you. And uh now who do we have uh, Lydia? We're going we're going right to uh, Bart Schwartz. And uh, Bart Schwartz, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you wanted to make well, the tell introduction. Us, tell,
0: tell people who he is. Judge, Judge Weinberg you want to make the wanted introduction? to Go ahead. <laughs>
5: All right. Bart Schwartz is a, is a great lawyer, former assistant. Uh, US who US cares? There's
0: so many lawyers around. No, no, but yeah. he's a very
5: special lawyer. He All was right. uh, yeah. chief of the criminal division in the Southern District. He's an out-of-the-monitor for the New York City Housing Authority. The other night we had... Uh, Ruben Diaz, senior, on the show, and uh, Ruben Diaz was commenting on the, the failed elevators. And uh, I had the opportunity to speak to the Bart people yesterday. People in
0: New York City, uh, yes, Housing Authority, are suffering. But it's And, not, and, and but, what can we do to help them? And Bart is the one who was the monitor for. He's not the chief operating so officer. You, he's the monitor. We know he's the monitor, so we want, we, we want to hear from Bart. What do we have to do for the people of the poor people of New York City not to suffer as much?
6: Well, uh, th- thank you, John. Thanks for the opportunity to, to be on your show. Uh, and I'd like to start with the elevators because I think that the uh, the concerns that were expressed by uh, Ruben Diaz Sr. are are uh, accurate and uh, concerns uh, he has uh, read the report and seen what we have reported about the failure for of NYCHA. But I want to I want to make it clear that there there are two kinds of budgets at NYCHA. There's an operations budget and there's a capital budget and the the failure the major failure that we we addressed was the capital budget and the failure to uh, 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 manufacture and install new uh, elevators, and uh, uh, the an example of what we had to deal with. Unfortunately, the capital department at NYCHA has not has not operated very well. There's new leadership, and that's a that's a big difference for us. But I but I want you to hear uh, an example of what we had to had to deal with. Both we and New York State were looking at. The, NYCHA's reports on the progress with elevators. And we could not understand how they were reporting them as on schedule when our experts, our engineers, our people who were out in the field were telling us that at least one, in one case, the, the elevator was a year behind schedule. Uh, and the capital people were reporting to the senior people at NYCHA that it was on schedule, finally, after uh, lots of discussion and lots of proof and making and issuing public statements about it, the capital program admitted the following: when they say something is on schedule, even if they 're a year behind, since they have a plan to get it back on schedule, they consider it to be on schedule, and that 's why they that 's the kind of reporting that they were giving to the public something that's a year behind claiming it was uh, on somebody
0: schedule. i know used to have an
6: expression yeah, it's a lot of crap. I mean, my God, it, 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 they're it, full of crap. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It, it really, it's just, it's just really indefensible that they would uh, try to palm that off on the public when the whole, the whole reason that a monitor, or a major reason the monitor was reported, uh, was appointed, is because they were bra- filing false information about lead uh, uh, at uh, based uh, paint and uh, the uh, and the number of children that were. Uh, 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 NYCHA housing, uh, yes, yeah, in NYCHA housing. Uh, so it's uh, this is all this is all Nitra. So the operations were much more easier to dea- deal with. Uh, there's a new there's a uh, a new leadership team on the capital side. They they are being much more cooperative. They're they're talking to our experts. They're much more open with us, and and I have a, a much more um, I'm much more optimistic about getting things done. It's still a tough job uh, for uh, for them, uh, and they still have a lot to learn. But, and are uh, on the right road.
0: I I heard uh, from
6: some individuals that the,
0: another problem is that uh, you have the same problem the MTA has. The MTA has a, a, a zillion people that are not. Paying their, the 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 fare, the, the fare. and yep. that that yes, supposedly is supposed to collect a billion dollars a month in rent, and you're collecting a lot less. Can you tell me those
6: numbers? Yeah, I can tell you. I tell you a little bit about it. It's uh. uh uh, NYCHA gets uh, about a billion dollars a year in uh, in rent, and that revenue is for operations. So it keeps the lights on, gets everything cleaned, the things that are done da- daily, not big capital projects. And the last report I heard was that NYCHA might be uh, uh, down about $400 million of the $1 that they normally collect. So the question is uh, – They're down how much? Uh, they're going to be down about four hundred million. Of the, red in other words,
0: instead of collecting a billion, you're, you're only going to collect sixty uh, percent, six hundred million. Yes, So four hundred million is not coming in. That's right. That's
6: So right. How, that's, how, uh, how
0: do you keep the lights on?
6: Yeah, I, well, that's that's what they're struggling with now. Uh, uh, they, they can't go into. Uh, uh, it gets a little complicated and uh, anything that's in the bureaucracy gets complicated it seems but there's a there's a, uh, there's a state uh, there's a federal program for emergency rent Uh, uh, Advancement But NYCHA was uh, The state got the money for it But NYCHA was not included NYCHA residents were not included in it So so there was no money available Through the so-called ERAP program Uh, And while Applications are pending uh, as my, uh, my understanding, while the applications are pending, even though there's no money available, uh, also the court system is not available to NYCHA. So the kind of, uh, and believe me, I don't want to see a lot of people uh, uh, evicted from their homes, but before we had the pandemic, there was a process and a procedure and it was, uh, 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 and they were, and they managed the, the rent arrears issue. And now because of this ERAP program, and the and the fact that ERAP has not dec- uh, declined the applications, but only put them on as pending, it, uh, it, it appears that uh, NYCHA has no recourse. Hey, hey Bart. So it's a, it, yeah. Bart, Bart,
1: this is Rudy Washington. How are you doing? Hey, Rudy. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, how did the moratorium impact them, uh, the two-year moratorium we just went through on rents?
6: Well, uh, well, the the arrears we're talking about uh, uh, is, is this year. is there is that uh, is uh, that they're reporting at the end of this uh, fiscal year,
0: Rudy? Nobody's paying the rent.
1: <laughs> right. That's yeah. why I was asking. You know. Um, yeah. When if, when the feds gave relief to everybody, I, I wonder if they backfill the budget for next year uh, when they did something like that because they definitely hurt a lot of small um, landlords. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just curious to, you know, what did they do for NYCHA uh, in terms so, you of, know,
6: uh, you know, well, I think the primary thing they did was to stop uh, evictions, uh, and to give people uh, a, a chance to get back to work, and uh, uh, obviously it was difficult for everyone. But uh, now the, the the way this has unfolded, uh, it, it it is it really is a, a bureaucratic mess where e- even those who can afford to pay, and I'm not suggesting there are a lot of those, but even those who can afford to pay, if they file an application, uh, they don't have to pay because the application is pending. Mm. Uh, so, so it's uh, um, and it's, it's got to be it's got to be addressed <laughs> right, right, right now. Uh, uh, no one seems to be uh, well, the uh, is focusing how, how it you,
0: except NYCHA. How, how do you address it? I mean, uh, I, you know, well, I, I, I understand the MTA has finally hired some uh, other than police officers. Have you heard they were uh, hired some police, uh, some uh, private MTA guards or something?
6: No, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, yeah, John. But I mean, security. I what, think.
0: security.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that,
6: that, that could be, but yeah. But uh, the, I mean, NYCHA now is going through their budget process and trying to figure out how do they deal with this if they have this four hundred million dollar uh, shortfall. And you know, the idea that NITRA should cut services—I mean, if there's anything that they should be doing is expanding services. <clears throat> Uh, uh, and yet, yet they're in a position where they, they think they're going to have to cut services and they're going to have to make difficult decisions. We're spending time with NYCHA now asking them, how are they making these decisions in the budget? Where are they going to make cuts? What are they going to do? We want to, we want to make sure that they make sense to us.
2: What's interesting is that when you see the story on the news, you just hear about the 3000 elevators that are out at the NYCHA complexes and only two have been fixed. But nobody's talking about what we're talking about here. The truth of the matter that you got four hundred million dollar deficit because people are simply taking it. A lot of them, maybe not all, of course, are, you know, they're they're taking advantage of the system. And by the way,
6: the elevators are getting fixed. They actually have have, have improved uh, quite a bit in the, in the uh, the outages being down, uh, different programs that they're doing. So I, I you know I don't I don't want to mix the capital with the operations. And the elevator group has always been very cooperative okay. with the monitor and asked for our help, and we've given given our help. Uh, now part of being a monitor is teaching, because. The, the, you want the organization to f- operate without a monitor going forward. The idea is for them to learn. And and Elevator Group has been very much uh, aligned with that. I, c- I can't say the same for all of Dijon. Uh, Bart, uh,
1: this is Rudy again. Uh, your assistant has all my information. Could you send me a copy
0: of the report? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. We've got about 30 seconds left. Anything else, Bart, you want to say? I wish you a happy holiday.
6: I'll see you at the Pal uh, Holiday Party. Where? Yes, yeah, I just
0: invited it. the Chancellor, who did, a, who's doing a great job heard, for our kids.
6: Yeah, I heard he's. It's it's a, it's a terrific party, and, uh, and it's a great thing uh, uh, that you uh, do.
0: Thank you, Bart Schwartz, right. and keep uh, fighting hard for our uh, New York City Housing Authority and the poor people in City, of New York. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up again. I'll see you this
2: Saturday morning. Welcome back to the John Catsimatidis Cats at Night Show. We got a full studio tonight with a former deputy mayor Rudy Washington, a governor David Patterson, well, former New York governor. I wish you were still the I governor. Sh- I hate to say. I fall. know. I know. I know. I know. I deserve to be back today. Absolutely, Congressman Peter King, and of course Judge Richard Weinberg, and John Catsimatidis. And now on the line we have Doug Schoen. He's a political analyst, author, and commentator. Welcome back to Cats at Night.
7: I'm pleased to be with such an august group.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Doug Schoen, we're calling you because we don't know what the heck is going on in our country. Maybe you can tell us.
7: Well, uh, first thing I would tell you, John, and thank you, I'll do my best, is our partisan lines are so hardened that literally what goes on in campaigns, what gets said, is less important than how you think about the world, which side of the divide you're on it was a very very close election as everyone knows um with all the stuff that came out on herschel walker the fact that he got within a couple of points uh i think a point and a half if if memory serves me tells me two things first biden will be emboldened he will say see um we did much better in the midterms we held in the senate picked up a a seat didn't have that big losses in the House, he will go full steam ahead with his agenda and he'll stay left. That's one prediction. The other is the Republicans will say, look, if we had a decent candidate, we would have won Georgia. The problem is Herschel Walker and by extension, of course, Donald Trump. And so the Republicans, I think, will use Georgia and the midterms to say we got to investigate Biden, we got to investigate Hunter Biden, Mayorkas for the borders, Merrick Garland for the Justice Department. And I think we're going to have extreme polarization, John, with a fight for the nomination between DeSantis and Trump. And I think Biden is now getting ready to run uh, again. And uh, if he does, even though he may well be somewhat challenged in a variety of areas. My sense is that he won't face a challenge in the primary. And
0: and Rupert Murdoch today sent out a text uh, and uh, put out a statement that uh, uh, Trump should have a discussion with himself and and forget about running in 2024. What say you?
7: I would agree with that. I, I suspect that given what I read, given what I see, and the fact that two more documents classified documents were found at a Trump storage facility today, I believe he's almost certainly going to be charged in the document case, if not the other two or three cases that right. are pending. And uh, uh, he can try to run in those that situation, further divide the country, but I don't think he could be elected.
8: So, this is Pete King. King? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, Donald Trump has shown he's had nine lives. Do you think he's used up all nine of them, uh, not just for I the think- election, but even for getting the uh, you know, the nomination in the primary race?
7: Sure, I think he's used up eight and a half of them, Pete, and it could well <laughs> <laughs> be nine. Uh, I'm curious what
8: you think. Do you think he's used up his nine lives? Yeah, I think he has. I think the accumulation of all of this is yep. just too much. And people, with all of the partisanship going on, they're all getting tired. They want someone who at least is not going to be fighting his own battles every week. A guy like DeSantis, and I'm not necessarily a big fan of DeSantis per se, but on record, he can handle himself. He has basically the same Trump policies, but doesn't commit political suicide, doesn't, you know, doesn't shoot himself.
1: Well, um, Doug, this is Rudy, Rudy Washington? Washington? Um, hey, I was, How you doing? I was reflecting a bit. I think the last time a presidential candidate was primary by his party was Jimmy Carter, wasn't it? With Ted Kennedy?
7: Uh, I, uh, yeah, that is correct. And as you remember, and I remember, because I was in the Teddy Kennedy camp, uh, despite the fact that uh, Kennedy started way ahead, obviously, uh, it was tough to run against an incumbent president. And I suspect it's going to be hard if anyone decides to run against Biden for that to happen. And there isn't really a logical opponent that I can see other than Bernie yeah, Sanders. that was That was uh, my
1: follow-up question. Yeah, you just okay. answered it.
7: Yeah, Doug, especially South Carolina leads off.
5: Well, Doug, it's it's Richard Weinberg. I think what you just said, you said South Carolina. It seemed to me as an outsider looking in that the attempt by Biden's people to make South Carolina number one is to try to fix the deck so that Biden would get the nomination and not have to worry about places like, like Iowa or New Hampshire. What do you say?
7: I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I think... Uh, it it telegraphs two things Richard, first, he's running and second, that they don't want to take the chance that in uh, something like the Iowa caucuses where there are a lot of liberal Democrats, there could be a protest movement against uh, the incumbent Joe Biden and somebody like Bernie Sanders or even AOC who I guess is now under investigation by the the House uh, could run and give him fit so uh, my guess is that biden runs unopposed if i had to bet
0: wow Well thank you doug Schoen and thank you uh, and uh, mm-hmm. thank you for your common sense and i hope our world and our country straightens out and we'll catch up with you again real I, soon I,
7: I, anytime you're on the case john with your colleagues the world's in a better place that's for sure
0: <laughs> thank you doug Schoen.
7: thank you
0: bye-bye Merry christmas and happy new year
6: same to you john okay This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC.
2: And the man with that breaking news is John Solomon, intrepid investigative reporter of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us?
9: Yeah, listen, this is a fascinating story. Uh, we've been talking about, we think the government's involved in censorship. Mark Zuckerberg suggests he got contacted by the FBI. And the FBI has been kind of vague about what it's really done in the censorship world. Not any longer. There is a brand new deposition out in a civil case brought by the Louisiana and Missouri Attorney Generals. Everybody's focused on the Dr. Anthony Fauci deposition. That certainly was a very important news thing. But this second. Uh, deposition is of a, a FBI assistant special agent in charge in San Francisco by the name of Elvis Chan. And he set up a special unit in 2020 at the insistence of his headquarters in Washington to send daily requests to social media and search companies during the 2020 election to uh, censor, remove Um, uh, Pieces of content that Americans had posted on social media and he goes into great detail and perhaps the most important of all the things the same FBI headquarters that he says that we've all heard say, well, we really don't censor people. We work with the uh, social companies to avoid interference in the election. He lays out a a process where uh, uh, a lead comes in, someone complains, I think there's election disinformation, it goes to a field office of the FBI, that goes to headquarters, headquarters decides if it should go to social media, and then he, as the representative in San Francisco, then would contact a social media company saying, we think you should take this down as disinformation. Direct government censorship, something that our constitution tells us isn't supposed to happen. That's a wow and you're going to have the full story on your website tomorrow morning? We are. And he said uh, they asked him during their position, how many times did you succeed at getting censored? And he said about half the time when we made a request, social media companies took down the content.
2: That's unbelievable. Uh, talk to us about the covid uh, vaccine mandate for the military being dropped from the defense yeah. bill, despite Biden opposition.
9: Yeah, a big bipartisan victory for Republicans. Republicans were pushing this. Democrats were wary. But in the National Defense Authorization Act that is on course to be approved in the next two days, both House and Senate Democrats, House and Senate Republicans have agreed to uh, put a piece of uh, language in that that says COVID vaccine mandates for the military cannot be imposed under this budget. And that will handcuff the president. Now, the president has uh, been clear all throughout President Biden that he would oppose this, but today the White House made signings that maybe he won't veto the bill, that maybe the other things in the bill are too important and he'll let this go, and why not? The science now shows that, you know, the vaccine isn't something that can guarantee that you don't get the disease or that you don't transmit it. That's what the CDC now acknowledges, so the argument for it is probably a little less, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if President Biden accepts this deal that has worked its way through Congress.
0: There's, there's, well, if he, if he doesn't sign it, There's no way to uh, January uh, one or January fourth. There is no. uh, Is a Republican Congress, not a Democratic one.
9: Yeah, exactly, and also all the authorizations for military. Uh, policy are, are not in effect if this doesn't pass so this is a very important bill and my guess is that joe biden based on the reporting i've done today i think joe biden will bend on this but a remarkable moment where enough democrats crossed over to support the republican request on this maybe a sign that in divided government we might see a little more progress than we expected
2: now, uh, we're hearing this story time and time again about these stores having to shut down due to these waves of shoplifting. And now even Walmart yeah. CEO says the company may have to hike their prices and close their stores. What are you what are you hearing?
9: Yeah, we've heard it from Starbucks, right? How many Starbucks have closed down in urban areas because of the. Now, Walmart, one of the largest retailers in the world, saying, hey, we're going to have to start shutting down if this situation doesn't improve. Loud, loud signals from Main Street America that the crime wave is now beginning to have significant effect,
0: not just on. the. I'll give you some breaking news. Um uh, you know, we, uh, we, we're in Manhattan, our headquarters, and uh, the Rite Aid, Rite Aid people, the Rite Aid uh, uh, lawyers, told my lawyer today that they're closing all the Rite Aid stores in Manhattan because of theft and, and other problems.
9: Wow. Oh, that is huge. And what, there's a downstream consequence. Of course, everybody thinks about that with the with retailer, but that means people can't get their prescriptions, they can't get their goods as easily, and all those jobs walk out of these marketplaces. The communities that have allowed these crime waves to persist through their policies are now punishing their own residents a second and third time by removing jobs and removing the capability to get food and prescriptions. This is a triple whammy if you live in one of
2: these communities where these stores are pulling out. John Solomon here... Here's a, maybe a stupid question. Why aren't the police just arresting these shoplifters? I mean, that would be kind of the easy solution here, no?
9: Well, I think the, there are two things, right? Policies are set by the prosecutors, and they've seen so many come in and go right back out that it's not worth the effort. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think what you have now is... Uh, these liberal activists have not only gotten to the prosecutors, they're now in, in, going after police chiefs. They were trying to get their type of their type quote unquote police chief in place who doesn't want to enforce the law the way it used to be done. And so until communities and their voters start speaking up with uh, greater fervor, uh, I think this trend line is going to continue in blue, big cities. I, I don't think it's in any sign of reversal right now. And, and that's despite the fact that crime is going up and creating more and more pain in these communities.
2: John Solomon, we keep saying that phrase, when you go woke, you go broke. And now Disney is seeing that in full effect. And Governor DeSantis of Florida, he's saying no U-turns on decision to strip Disney of their special status. What does that exactly mean for them?
9: So when the Disney world was built in Florida uh, back in the early 70s, they got a special legal exemption that allowed them to basically be their own unincorporated uh, uh, community within the state. It comes with lots of tax advantages and other uh, security advantages. They get to have their own fire department, things like that. Now that was stripped by the legislature last year as a result of the Disney's intervention on that piece of legislation that was a parent's rights legislation. It was misnamed or inappropriately tagged as don't say gay, but that's not really what the bill was about. But um, uh, now, you know, Disney got a new uh, CEO, Bob Iger came in, says he's going to get out of the woke business. DeSantis said, sorry, too late. We took the action. We told you we meant this, and he's not going to back off. And that, he also said that the removing the special status actually helped all the other businesses in Florida. So he doesn't want to punish them since they've been good corporate citizens. So uh, Disney may not get one of the benefits and hope to get back by making the switch to Bob Iger, return
0: to well, Bob Iger. Well, just dot com. I'll be uh, I'll be going listening to going to your website tomorrow morning to find out the rest of the stories. Absolutely. Thank John Solomon, thank He's you so much for me. all that you do. Thank you.
2: And now on the line for us, we have Betsy McCoy, the former lieutenant governor of New York. She's also a columnist for The New York Post. Congressman King, you wanted to have a question for her?
8: Yeah, Actually, I was talking with Betsy last night about this issue. A her, her column today was great. Absolutely. Betsy, how are you doing? On Honestly, this whole issue with 401ks? I'm so
10: glad that we're going to get to talk about this. We have 60 million Americans depending on their 401ks <clears throat> earning a decent return for their retirement. And now the Biden administration has just put in a new rule that allows the managers of these funds to put them into what are called ESG accounts. These are accounts that may earn a lower return, but favor left-wing policy. So imagine that. If you get a lower return, you're going to have to work longer, more years before you retire, or start putting more into your 401k, or settle for a lower standard of living in the final years of your life.
8: Betsy, I know the Judge Weinberg has a uh, substantive question. For you. I just have one, uh, one quick question. This to me is not a rule. This is changing a statute. And a rule is yes, only supposed to be to clarify a statute, not change absolutely. the original law. Absolutely.
10: And this will ultimately, I predict, be overturned by the courts. But in the meantime... So they're forcing they think-
0: these people to invest their money
10: no, in ESG? No, they're not forcing them, but the fact is it's, most it's giving them people who have a 401k by default allow their employer or the manager to choose the fund. Now,
0: explain what ESG is. Somebody has oh, to explain because the, 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 the rest of the world doesn't know. A million people listening to us, they don't know what ESG is. Do you explain right. it?
10: It's a, supposed to stand for ESG, Environment, Social Justice, and Governance, right? So if you tiptoe through the tulips, if if you want to tiptoe through
0: the tulips, you invest in ESG. Woke.
10: Right. Well, the fact is, if you invest in ESG, the data show, you're likely to get a lower return because these are are funds that put the money into unionized companies rather than non-unionized, companies that are fighting against fossil fuels. That's a real loser in this market. And companies that put diversity, racial and gender diversity, ahead of merit. So the fact is, they do earn lower returns for the worker. ESG really means expect slower growth. And that's that's the sum total here. You're (laughs) going to lose out.
0: Betsy, Betsy. These yeah. woke- you know, I, I <clears> love <throat> you dearly, you know that. Uh, it, but but to say it in that way it doesn't work in, sometimes. But the, the, the thing is, uh, investing in ESG might be the same way as investing in cryptocurrency, oh, and then that, yeah. that whole thing is blowing up. That's the point. ESG companies BlackRock,
10: for example, is the biggest investor in these ESG funds. Oh. And they're telling young people particularly, oh, go for an ESG fund, you're doing social good well it all depends on how you define social good but in the meantime you're getting a lower return it means you've got to pump more if they're they're
0: putting the 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 money into solar cells and 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 wind energy the country the country's not going to run i don't care about union non-unions that should not be the case
10: you're you're talking like a
0: republican you have to talk like an american
10: They have three criteria for putting money into these funds. One is you have to be against fossil fuels. The second is you're supposed to be unionized. And the third is you're supposed to be very into diversity, equity, and inclusion. And for those three things, the money is going into some companies and being barred from going into others that may be earning a higher return. For me, for most workers – they want to earn a good return on their 401K. If they want to donate to charities, left-wing, right-wing, that's up to them. But they want one thing from a right. 401K, we got 30 judge. seconds left. Anybody else has any questions
0: return. for Betsy? Judge.
5: Okay. Judge? That's, Betsy, it's as simple as this. If the company goes bankrupt because there's a bad investment, who's going to pick up the tab?
10: Well, that's the point. The point is that these 401ks should be invested the way they've always been. What the law says, one thing, a manager must put the money in whatever companies are going to get the highest return and the lowest risk. Unfortunately, just a few weeks ago, the Biden administration is trying to change that rule. They put into effect a new rule, and Congressman Kenning is absolutely right that it will be challenged in court ultimately. But in the meantime, I'm talking to the 60 million people who have those 401ks. Be careful. Do not, do not let, let your money be put into some fund by default. You make sure it is not an ESG fund.
0: Betsy McCoy, thank you so much for keeping us up to date, and we'll catch up again real soon. Bye. Bye-bye, Betsy. Uh, and now we have uh, uh, Ryan Payne on, and there's so many things happening. I mean, what do you think of Jamie Dimon's uh, uh, remarks uh, uh, on uh, cryptocurrency?
11: Um, I think he called them pet rocks, which I loved. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a great uh, metaphor for uh, what, uh, what crypto is. And I, he, he said that all along. Look, I mean, he was saying that two years ago. Um, that this is basically, uh, you know, this whole market is a fraud. You know, I guess, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it.
0: And in in the market is uh, which way is it going? I mean, uh, interest rates are going down. They're going up. They, uh, the 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 Fed is going to raise, not raise. What What's your opinion? Well,
11: I think you're seeing a very disinflationary environment. I mean, look at the ten year Treasury; it's under three and a half percent. And I mean, oil prices. You're down around seventy-two dollars a barrel now. Um, you've seen lumber costs come down like sixty percent this year. So I, I think the running's on the wall with inflation, and we kinda know the Fed at this point, you know, they're gonna they're gonna lessen their raise probably next week to fifty basis points, and from there we might just see them stop altogether. So I think all signs point towards lower inflation, lower interest rates, and from my perspective, that's got to be very, very bullish, specifically for the market.
0: Now, most important, one of my investment bankers, John, uh, I won't tell you his last name, uh, says to me, uh, with all the money that blew up in cryptocurrency and uh, what's going on, these guys made political contributions to both sides tens of millions of dollars to guarantee themselves that they don't get indicted. Who did he give, who did FTX give the money to?
11: Uh, They gave to the Democrats and to the tune of almost $40 million dollars, John, and I'm not sure those politicians are going to give any of that money back, I suspect.
0: Well, the trustee uh, on um, the Madoff thing made him give the money back.
11: Well, I guess if there was some sort of provision, but the problem is, he's based in the Bahamas, I don't know, and I think it really isn't clear right now, um, you know, what kind of authority does the U.S. have? Can they can they bring it back? Did he
0: only to the give to Democrats, or did you give money to the Republicans too? Ninety percent of the money yeah. went to Democrats.
2: And by the That's way, House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman I'm Maxine not. Waters informs a group of Democrats that she does not plan on subpoenaing FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. Must be a coincidence. <laughs> Must be a coincidence. Does that
0: does that co- a coincidence? Jim yeah, should be way? gone next month. Oh, oh, was that right, protection
2: sure. money? I don't know, John. Oh, my
0: God. Ryan Payne, thank you so much uh, for the update. And what do we stand for in this show? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.
6: (laughs) It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.